stories of entrepreneurs and how they overcame the struggles and challenges to get where they are today. This is Believe in the Entrepreneur with Joel Sandoval, CPA. Welcome to another episode of Believe in the Entrepreneur, and I'm super excited because I have Tony Wynn in the house, who's a pretty, you know, pretty successful story. You know, actually, before the show, we were talking about how he was in the music industry, and now he owns a pretty successful general contracting company since 2017. But he's been in the real estate in the construction space since 2006. So, Tony, thanks for being on the show. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Of course. So, Tony, for for my guests that don't really know you, why don't we take it back to, you know, what made you even want to start this kind of, you know, this venture of being an entrepreneur and a business owner? Uh, you know, it started when I was a kid, you know, just like any kid, just uh, parents would buy me Swiss rolls. I'll take them to school, break them down, sell it. You know, um, I always felt like I was always the type that just wanted to do things on my own, on my own terms, whatever, whatever it was. Right. Yeah. Um, had really strict parents. Dad was military, mechanical engineer, electrical engineer. And they just kind of like go to school, go to school. Typical Asian parents, go to school, go to school. And I just felt like rebellion. You know, I'm the middle child, so I'm just gotcha. like, no, I'm not. You know, so I always did that as a kid growing up. You know, just always found ways to make money on my own terms, buying and selling things. Gotcha. That's cool. I, uh, <clears throat> so you kind of felt like you were the rebel in your family. I was always the rebel. I was always labeled as the black sheep throughout all the cousins, the brothers. I got two brothers on the middle. Yeah. Uh, we're all five years apart. So, you know, um, I got ignored a lot, <laughs> mm. you know. So my cousins are all like, you know, college educated. I'm the only one that's not. Oh, wow. So it's kind of interesting, you know, but uh, it worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, <clears throat> was it because of that neglection? Because I noticed like even in my family, like, you know, I'm the firstborn and I feel like parents always give like a lot of attention to the firstborn and then like the baby of the family. And then it's the middle child's that are probably, like you said, neglected. And is that what kind of made you want to rebel a little bit while you were young? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, you know, the older brother's like, why can't you be like this guy? Right. Yeah. And the parents are always like, Hey, why can't you be like your older brother? To the younger brother, he's always like, why can't you be a better role model? You know? And it's kind of like, as a kid, you grow up, you know, I grew up in the suburbs in Minnesota where, where I'm from, you know, um, not a lot to do out there. Right. You know, so I, I'm, I'm always outside playing and have my free time. So, like, you know, they're busy with my older brother, sports, high school. Younger brother, obviously, is the baby of the family, could never do anything wrong. Right. So, for me, it's kind of like, oh, he's gone. Where is he? Mm. Or, you know, like, oh, he got in trouble again. So, like, yeah, that absolutely um, pushed me to do things that I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I learned from it. And absolutely, I think that it's gave me like a chip on the shoulder growing up, you know, just even with like cousins and stuff like that, that went off to do things, you know, and it was kind of like, wow, well, he's just there. <laughs> right. I mean? Like, so I've always been like the black sheep. I've always been like the little rebel, you know, um, and parents growing up, I've always had that issue with my parents, you know, battling it. And our relationship actually didn't get better until I actually moved out at 18. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. So once you moved out, then that's when your actual relationship with your parents actually... Yeah, relationship got better. You know, my parents were always about school, school, school. Don't get in trouble. Don't care about what people say about you, you know. And grew up in a very suburban area. Um, a lot of kids weren't Asian <laughs> where right. I was. I was probably like one of 10 kids in a mm. school of like 1,200. Oh, wow. You know, so, I mean, it's 
growing up in the 90s, you know, I'm 41 now, growing up in the 90s, it's a little different than now. We didn't have social media, we didn't have all that stuff, right? So we kind of, and you know, my dad was always working, my mom was always working, I was raised by my cousins, um, my older cousin. And so it's like, I kind of had to find my own way, my own path, you know, stuff like that. So it definitely molded me to who I am. You know? mm. Gotcha. So <clears throat> obviously, you know, that, that, that had a huge impact. So moved out at 18 years old and now, you know, did you decide, okay, I'm going to be an entrepreneur from. Yeah. I just had like odd jobs, man. I would mm. work at like, my first job was like subway, mm. <laughs> you know, gotcha. and, you know, I, I always figured I was like, Oh, they're doing this wrong. You know, like I always, I always, always analyze everywhere mm. I was. I was just analyze this business. I was like, oh, this is what they're doing wrong. The subway I was at, absentee owner, mm. was never around. You know, um, and then I worked at like a car wash. Mm. You know, and like again, production. I was like, man, they're doing this wrong. So, mm. I've always found ways the businesses were doing things wrong. Gotcha. You know, and then like I always told myself, I was like, man, I'm, I'm never gonna work for somebody. Mm. You know, and. I wasn't a great kid. You know, I got in a lot of trouble growing up. I'm actually a high school dropout. Oh, wow. So, you know, um, I dropped out at end of 10th, going into 11th, you know, didn't didn't really, school wasn't for me. Yeah. Right? Um, it wasn't that I wasn't smart. I just wasn't patient. Mm. You know, I um, always felt like, okay, I can do this better. Things can be done better. So, you know, I've always had like odd jobs here and there. And then like right out of when I was supposed to graduate high school, um, a buddy was like, hey, I'm doing mortgages. You know, this is early 2000. Okay. It's like, hey, why don't you just come join me? You know, and it's like, you could be your own boss. You could do whatever you want. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a try. So, you know, I gave it a try. was pretty successful at it. You know, cold calling. You know, they didn't give you any hot leads or anything. Mm. And then I just realized I'm doing a lot of loans for investors. You know, I'm like, okay, if they can do that, I can do this. Mm. So that's kind of what really was the segue into being an entrepreneur. Um, you know, and then obviously I ran into like real estate investing from one of my really good friends. Um, he, brought, he brings me to a seminar. You know, he's, he was always, like, my really close friend since, like, seventh grade. Okay. So like a lot of my friends I have, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade till this day. Gotcha. You know, and he was always, like, the business guy. You know, he's like, hey, let's go do this. And I was like, dude, you're crazy. You're crazy. Like, I'm not going to go do this. Like, we can't do this, you know? Right. He's like, just come to a, a seminar with me. Just come, you know? So it's a real estate seminar. It's, like, 2002. Gotcha. And, you know, so we're just, like, going to the seminar, you know, this spiel, they're trying to sell you stuff. And then, you know, they give you a little bit of, like nugget to take home, you know? And right. Like, okay. So I'm learning about tax liens, wholesale contract for deeds, all this stuff. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I shelf it. Mm. And I'm like, okay, whatever, you know? And then again, just odd things here and there, buy and sell kind of flipping things. Um, and then I was just like, man, what am I going to do with my life? You know? Yeah. And then I was like, real estate, mm. you know? So I started as a bird dog again. I've always liked to do things that I was in control. Gotcha. You know, I'm um, always in control, you know, whether, whatever it was, you know, if I was, like I said, flipping things or real estate or mortgages, you know, I wanted to be in control. I didn't like to answer to people. I think that was my problem. I didn't like authority gotcha. telling me what to do. Right? Yeah. And that probably stemmed from, you know, my dad. Right. Pretty strict, you know. Um, so, yeah, I started doing real estate that way by bird dogging. I don't know if people even know what bird dogging is. Can you explain it for those that don't? Yeah, so bird dogging basically is, uh, it's almost kind of like wholesaling, but except you're you're basically just imagine, you know, hunter goes out, shoots, gets a duck, the dog goes out, gets the duck, brings it back to the hunter, and the hunter's like, good boy. Yep. Right? That's basically what I did with deals. Um, I made friends with, like, realtors that had access to investors. I would find a deal. Didn't know how to wholesale and lock it up yet. Didn't have the means to. Didn't have, like, the EMD, you know, the earnest money deposit. 
So I was like, hey, I got this little deal right here. Here's the numbers. Great. They'll just cut me like five grand. Mm. grand. So, you know, I was just making a little money here and there. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And then I learned how to wholesale. And what's funny is I went back to that book Mm. that I got at that seminar from my friend. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, this is what they were talking about, you know? So, and then I kind of just, just gelled like that. Um, Started wholesaling. I did like one deal where I got like 75K. And I was like, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. No high school diploma, no college education. I was like, wow, like it's all on me, you know, it's, it's all on me. Right. So I was doing that for a little bit. And then that's uh, when me and my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, we were like, hey, let's, let's do some investing, you know? So we, we, we started doing it with like construction loans. You know, we didn't have the cash, you know, we're, we're doing homes that were like 200K, 300K, not like out here. Right. Know? And so you know, I was getting construction loans, you know, thinking I'm like big shot, you know, just doing like four or five of them, you know, made a mistake of uh, trying to do the first one by myself, mm. you know? So I'm like, oh, I'm going to hire my friends. You know, this is the American dream. I'm going to hire all my friends. I'm going to do this house myself. Lo and behold, I did the siding like three times, you know, didn't realize I needed a chalk line with a laser, you know, just (laughs) stuff like that, you know? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, that's how I kind of really got started into this real estate stuff. And it really kind of just segued and obviously into the 08 recession. Right. Um, Luckily, we got away. Okay. in that. And then that's when music fell on my lap. Gotcha. So it, it's pretty interesting that, like, for, you know, for one, you're a high school dropout, right? And, like, your parents were very, you know, education was very important to them. But for you, it, was, it wasn't for you because you didn't have the patience for it. And at the same time, like, you kind of were like a rebel where you didn't want that authority from other people, right? And, and I think that's for me, you know, I was a, actually, I, I did really well in school. Like, I graduated with honors at Cal State Bakersfield. But once I started the workforce, I was a really bad employee because I, I didn't like getting orders from other people and say, hey, do this. I need you to do that. And it's like, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to do it. You know, I want to go home right now. And so I ended up not being and sometimes I would milk the clock just because, you know, <clears throat> there's something that could take me an hour. I would make it last four hours. And, you know, my employer saw that. And so I eventually decided, OK, I have to be in control myself. But. I think a lot of my education, though, did help me become like I knew how to do tax returns because of my education and my experience. So like for you that didn't have that, how were you able to learn like wholesaling and, you know, all this, you know, everything that you're doing now? You know, man, um, like I said, we didn't have social media, but at least we had the Internet. Mm. Right. So um, and funnier enough, like the website, bigger pockets. Right. You know, so I don't know if I'm sure people have heard this. Um, I started surfing it when they first started being like a website mm. in the early 2000s, I think it was. And that's, I would just go into the rabbit hole, just read, 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 you know, like, you know, my whole mindset was like, I don't have the piece of paper that a lot of these employers want. Mm. Right. And so I got to figure it out on my own. And that was one avenue that I figured that I could go down. So I just kind of like, all right, what are my resources? You know, either it's going to be, be friends with agents that are doing it, investors that are doing it. Um, you know, quick internet search, this site comes up, I learned about it. And that's really how I educated myself. Mm. And a lot of trial and error, you know, um, I definitely got taken advantage of a few times. Mm. Um, But obviously, I I take that as nuggets of learning, you know, Um, if I didn't get taken advantage of, I wouldn't have known what not to look out for, what to look out for and stuff like that. Right. So that definitely helped me um, down the path of, of doing this real estate stuff, you know, and this construction, like, I've always grew up around construction. 
you know, typical right. son and father doing stuff around the house. My dad's very handy. Hated it my whole life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm never going to need this skill. I'm <laughs> never going to need this skill. Right. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of how I taught myself, man, was the internet. Just read, 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 you know, and we're living in a day of age now where it's like hundred X. Right. You can, there's no excuse for anybody. Right. Right. So that's kind of really how I did it. And then I just, like I said, just continue networking, meeting realtors. Um, and I think just like my tenacity of not giving up and just that chip on my shoulder is kind of like what broke the barrier down for a lot of these people that were, I was meeting. Right. And then like my work ethic just kind of played it out. Yeah. So I have a question. Cause one of the things you, you know, you, you actually, even though you didn't have the formal education, you were still getting education from other resources like, bigger pockets right uh, now they have this huge podcast also you know you the internet searching also you had resources other you know real estate agents or other partners um but when someone like for people that don't really like school like for me reading a book is very difficult because I, i'm a very visual learner and i just you know i don't have the patience for it so like how did you have the patience i could imagine like someone that didn't really like education how did you have the patience to like, you know what, I'm going to study this industry and try to really get good at it? You know, um, I guess the, the word passion is a very overused word, right? So for me, it was just the obsession of figuring it out. Um, I hate reading books. Yeah. Even though I know it's good for you. Don't tell my kids that. <laughs> but um, I'm a very, like you, I'm a very visual learner. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a very reverse engineering kind of person. Mm-hmm. So once I get locked in on something, um, there's kind of like no telling me I can't do it. Mm. Or especially if someone says you can't do it, I take it as a challenge. Mm. So I think for me, like, that's how I kind of really locked in um, was kind of like, okay, I'm in my 20s. Like, what am I going to do? Right. You know? Um, yeah, of course, you, there's never too late to go back to school, college, whatever. Right. But again, it wasn't for me. Yeah. You know? Nothing wrong with it. You know, I'm, I think it's great. But that just wasn't the path that I was on. So I just, once I get locked in, I get pretty obsessed on things, you know, and my wife will vouch for that. Mm. Uh, whether it's like cars or something, like any kind of sport that I like, like I just obsess over it, mm. right? I always try to figure out how, how, how. Um, I was always taught to ask why a lot. Right. So it's like annoying, you know, because my three-year-old does it right now. <laughs> you know, they go through that and they want to know. So like you right. kind of like have to, that's how you absorb things. Right. right. So it's like, why are you doing this? And why did you? do that and okay so well you did it like this but why right why, why? so i kind of have that mentality going into when i deep dive into whatever i get obsessed about mm. you know um and then i kind of just apply it to like myself how it would work for me right you know um i used to go to networking events by myself when we first moved to california because i didn't know m- many people mm-hmm. you know so i was like what's the worst that's going to happen you right. know so like I said, once I lock in, I get obsessed with something, like I just find any means to just kind of like get through any hurdle I come across. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that obsession or passion, you know, is very important because it kind of, it's almost like you're not going to quit. Like you're going to keep going until you obtain that result. And I'm kind of the same way. I'm like very goal oriented. Like once I made a goal, like, hey, I got to hit this target. Like everything else is a distraction and I have to like make sure yeah, absolutely. I get it. Um but, you know, I, there's a saying that we have in the office, like, you know, I try to train my my team that says, like, um, how to be and why, and, you know, asking why. Like you say, hey, always just be that, you know, curious George. You know, it's like he's always just trying to figure things out. Like he's always curious and he's always asking why. And he's always trying to figure out, like, why is it that this goes like that? And I think that's what really 
lets you put all the pieces together and it all makes sense once yeah, you do that. Absolutely. I mean, I tell people all the time, like, like I said, I got a 10-year-old and a 3-year-old daughter, right? Big gap. Two girls. I'm a girl dad. Mm. You know, um, so like my 3-year-old, I'm spending a lot more time with her. That, um, you know, because I was working so much when my 10-year-old was growing up. So mm. I wasn't really around. Um, but like, if you can tell, like you tell kids all the time when they're growing up, you can be whatever you want, shoot for the moon, dream, right? So as adults, somewhere along the line, you lose that. Somebody right. Somebody tells you like, you can't do that or you can't. And they stop asking why. Right. You know what I mean? But that's like, maybe I didn't grow up. I don't know. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I'm always asking why. I'm always curious too, because especially if I see someone doing something that I very, I lock in on or I'm very obsessive on, you know? Um, and if I don't, even if I don't end up being good at it, like mm -hmm. I still want to go through it, right? Mm -hmm. And like I said, I, I'm very right to left thinking, very reverse engineering, how things happen, why did it happen? Why did they do this? Well, why did they do that, you know? So I think that's very important for people that are don't want to go to school, want to be an entrepreneur, that need to figure things out. Like no one's going to give you the golden ticket. Right. Nobody's going to give you the golden ticket. You are your own ticket holder. Yep. You know what I mean? And like I've, I've gotten a lot of nuggets from people that have told me that even in like the music industry, you know, like I did music licensing. Um, it fell on my lap, you know, by a booking. I booked the YouTube pianist, David Sides. Mm. Um, you know, at the time he had like 150 million views. Mm. I booked him once and, you know, I was like, okay, I'm spending money to book you. I'm flying you and his current management at the time. Mm hmm throwing a big event for the red cross because you know in minneapolis we had this bridge collapse mm. uh, i think it was like oh six or seven okay and so i'm booking him and it was like the show was just popped up mm. it was just like it was a hit he had problems with his management and after the show he's like hey i'm gonna fire my management do you want to manage me i'm like why <laughs> <laughs> he's like i'm not happy how they want to do things how they're running things you know i like i like what you're doing i'm like but why i don't know anything about music yeah he's like i could just tell type of thing right mm. So we, we, we hit it off. You know, oh, we wow. became really good friends. Um, we traveled the world together. We did a lot of things together, you know. Um, and that was like a run from 2007 to 2014 until I moved out here, you know. And, you know, again, asking why. Right. You know, I didn't know anything in music. Mm. And I met a lot of people. And, you know, it was because they were trying to get to him, right. So, like, right. I'm talking about, like, people from, like, the big labels. Mm. You know, I met a lot of people and they would always tell me like, you guys think you're working hard, but there's kids that are 18 that will fly to LA and work 29 out of 31 days. Wow. You know what I mean? So like you're your own ticket holder. No yeah. one's going to give, no one's going to give it to you. Right. You know, and matter of fact, like it, sometimes entrepreneurship might not be for you. Right. But you're not going to know unless you try. Yeah. hundred you know percent. I mean? But you got to like eat, breathe, shit it. You have to like, whatever it is you choose, you know, yep. like it's. And I get a lot of questions all the time to this day, like, how'd you do it? Like, number one, I don't think I did anything. Mm. Number two, I don't think I'm successful at all. Right. right? Because it's about who you surround yourself with. Right? Yep. And number three, I can't tell you how I did it. Yep. And I'm just, I tell people all the time, one day it's going to click for you. Mm -hmm. One day it's going to click for you. One day you're just going to see the light and it's up to you to take that light and run with it. And it matters if you, what have you been doing up to that time? Are you prepared? Right. A lot of people act like they want it. And when it's time to come and get it and they get it, they are not ready. Right. That's why you see a lot of businesses fail. This is why you see a lot of um, people just fall apart and break apart when yep. pressure gets put on them, you know, because they, like, they act like they really want it, you know, but like, but do you really want it inside? Like, right. like you said, you went to school, 
you knew what you wanted, but you were working for the man or whatever it's called, right? Right. And then you realize the shit ain't for me. Yep. Right. And so now you're out here doing your own thing and now you started your own thing. Like you you can't have this if you don't really want it. Right. And it's and to maintain it is a whole different ballgame. Hundred percent. You know? So Yeah, that's awesome. So I mean, <clears throat> you're doing, you know, obviously real estate, you saw real estate investors have success. And you knew like, all right, I can figure this out myself, started investing and reading and researching. And then you come across this music opportunity. So do you let this real estate thing on, like, did you put it on hold and now it's all, all in on this music or? Um, I kind of didn't really put it on hold. I kind of just like pop, you know, one foot in, one foot out with mm -hmm. it. Um, because obviously I still needed to make an income. Right. Right. So um, I would just do enough just to kind of like survive. Mm. Um music i was kind of really going all in you mm. know i was investing a lot of the money i made in real estate mm. into this because gotcha. he didn't have any money gotcha right um he's a college student you know didn't really have any money mm. um you know we're trying to really take it to a different level mm. so i was you know i was i was pretty much all in on this and then obviously the recession happened and that whole like changed the whole game mm. you know we're a year into this music still going right and then but the investing kind of changed because i wasn't i was still like uh investor you know i wasn't really like an investor <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> right, like, right. i was like faking it kind of thing you know okay. I'm, I'm just doing deals here and there like you're not really an investor it's easy to be successful in a high market right you know like this this next recession that comes or if you're in right now mm -hmm. it's gonna really weed out the players oh yeah right you know and if you're you should you, a lot of people should have spent their time when it's like a high market like you know good economy to hone your skills mm -hmm. right in relationships so when the market does downturn you still can you know move around right but you know so when 08 came around it was kind of like oh crap like what are we gonna do we're living this high life you mm -hmm. know so we get passed through all that and i actually started a construction business with my high school buddy mm. um that's still it's still going today mm. you know successful business you yeah. know in uh oh nine and I'm like, dude, you want to start construction business after the recession? <laughs> like, <are you> crazy. <laughs> and he's another one of my friends, you know, one of my best friends. And, you know, he's same thing. Like, my group of friends that I grew up with, we're all entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm successful businesses. Yeah. Really successful businesses, you know, like eight figures, really good, you know. We're yeah. All, and I, we're all boneheads, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, we made it, right? But, you know, I did that with that business with him, um, and I was the operations manager. So that's why I was doing that, and I was kind of doing that with the, the music. You know, music, again, is I can control what I wanted to do, mm -hmm. you know, at the time. So that's what I was really kind of doing. Um, and then music obviously brought me out to L.A. Mm -hmm. So I had a recording studio in Minneapolis. Had a lot of artists come through, music licensing. Um, and I had to figure a way, how do I get myself paid? You know, 10% mm. of everything's not going to cut it, mm -hmm. you know? Because that's kind of like a you you eat what you kill kind of thing, right? So if right. I don't bring them anything, or if I don't get into any deals or anything that I don't get paid, right? Right. So I figured out what publishing was, mm. you know, and I figured that okay, well, I own the studio. Everybody that comes through here and wants to produce or write something, I'm going to take a piece of the publishing. Mm. They had no problem with it, but what they didn't understand, I mean, some actually some people do understand, is like publishing lasts forever. Mm. You can't take that away. Mm. You know, unless I sell my rights right type of thing right so that's what I was doing and then it brought me out to LA I had a studio out here in North Hollywood mm. you know and you know that only lasted a year you know because when I was out here I was focused on other things mm. a little bit and I wasn't really running and managing it and mm. then it kind of just fell apart with the partners I had here gotcha so interesting 
So, I mean, um, you know, one of the things that you, so you started a construction business, right? And I think that you said that you get, your friends are all kind of like knuckleheads and just, and, it, and there's a, I think um, Robert Kiyosaki says like, you know, it's always the A students that work for the C students. Absolutely. Because the C, you know, the C students are always, you know, they just want to delegate everything and they just have, they're very just visionary, right? As opposed to very detail oriented, you know, and that's why I feel like, the A students end up working for the C students. But for you, I mean, obviously you, you kind of, you came across these different opportunities. You kept your foot in one door, you know, you kept your foot in real estate, but then you were also doing this music. So when did you say, decide to part ways from music and like, all right, now I'm going to go all in on this. Yeah. Um, it was when that studio in North Hollywood kind of uh, fell apart. Um, I kind of went through a moment where I was like, man, what am I going to do? I'm in California. I got a two year old daughter, my wife, She's been with me for 22 years, mm. um, today, up to, to, to this year. So, yeah. Um, she's just like, you know, I'm like, what am I going to do? We're like halfway across the country. We don't have family here. Mm. And then she's like, why don't you get back into house flipping? And I'm just thinking like, and this is when houses were like six, 700,000. I was like, man, we don't have the money to do that. Yeah. So funny enough, um, I was searching from Craigslist and I found an ad for a project manager. Mm. I was like, I'm going to apply to this. So I applied to it. And the day we were moving from our first house, when we first moved to LA mm-hmm. to our apartment, I get an email. It's like, Hey, we're going to be in Gardena. Um, we want you to come walk this house with us. The day we're moving. I'm like, Oh shit. My babe, I got to go. I got to go. She's like, do your thing. You know? So I just made sure the movers move the stuff. Mm-hmm. And she stayed home and I jet down there. Mm. I'm wearing my moving clothes. <laughs> right? So I got like sweats on and stuff like that. I show up. And there's like eight people there. Everyone's in a suit with a notepad. Mm. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. And then so I get there and then, you know, I introduce myself. I meet the guy there and he was uh, the construction manager for this investment firm in San Diego. Mm. And they were doing, they were looking for someone to run LA. And so, you know, we, he goes, okay, everybody walk it um, and write down your notes on what you think. Everyone's walking around, you know, their suits on. And mm-hmm. I walk around and I'm just picking out everything mm. i'm just like this is wrong this should be done this is done wrong and these guys with the suits and the notepads were writing my notes down <laughs> and i think they recognized that uh. um and then so you know we went home and then i get an email that like hey we want to hire you can you come to our office mm. you know i'm like damn san diego i'm living in woodland hills right so i jet down there mm. and i take because i'm i'm in desperation mode at this point yeah you know, I'm like, either I can move back home with my tail between my legs. Mm-hmm. But that's not my personality. That's not me. So I go down to San Diego to give me the job. Um, they don't tell me how much they're going to pay me first until I get there. Mm. 15 bucks an hour. Oh, wow. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know? But I took it. Yeah. I took it. Um, and, you know, I, I complain about it sometimes. And my wife's like, look, if you never did that, you wouldn't be where we are today. Yeah. So, you know, I did it. Um I put my pride aside and I did it, you know, cause I got kid, you know, and I used it as a, as a foot in the door mm. into the LA market, mm. you know, um, I was running like 25 projects a year for them. Oh, wow. And we were, you know, it was there for about a year and a half, you know, um, and just running through these projects for them, you know, and that's kind of how I got my foot in the door here, you know, and then, uh, funnier enough, I was just on bigger pockets. This is probably what, like, 12 years later really i'm on bigger pockets and i'm like you know what yeah because i kind of felt it you know like they weren't appreciating me right Mm. so but i I kept my head high you know to just like look i'm just going to do the best i can do and i'm going to use this as like my my launch pad my portfolio Mm -hmm. so i was posting 
um i didn't put the address but i would put like you know photos of before after mm. and stuff like that and people would kind of see on bigger pockets like the timeline oh mm. he posted on this day and he posted on this day and it was uh finished mm. um and then eventually i put the address Mm. And then they could see when it was bought, when it was sold, and the prices and stuff like that. But they just didn't know how much we were spending, which mm. I never revealed, right? And then uh, what's funny is uh, I was sitting on the couch one day watching TV. It was like 10 o'clock at night. I'm on bigger pockets. My wife's like, dude, you're always on this thing. You know? <laughs> I get, a, I get a, a direct message, and it's from, uh, from a name, Shanahan. And he's like, hey, I really like what you're doing. Um, I'm about to buy a property in Winneka. Can you meet me there? Mm. I'm like, okay, this, this could be cool. You know, I'm trying to maybe freelance, do stuff, stuff on the side. Yeah. So I go there, I meet the Shanahan. Um, and here comes the car pulling up. This little lady comes out with her son. And I walk up to the lady. I was like, Hey, I'm Tony. And then the son goes, I'm Shanahan. Oh, wow. Oh, what's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, and then so like we ended up and that's who I was, are my partners now. It's oh, uh, these wow. two brothers, Jesse and uh, like Sean. Mm-hmm. And uh, they gave me, the chance to kind of do my own thing mm. like look we like what you do uh, they basically poached me mm. from them and they're like hey we like what you do you can kind of run the construction do whatever you want you know just walk it give us a budget and stuff like that so you know i did a few for them and they're like wow mm. they're, they're just blown away right they've yeah. their family's been in the business for a while you know and they were looking for um a project manager that can kind of take the, the sons are taking over, right? And they're mm-hmm. like, okay, we're trying to take it to a different level. So I, I kind of showed him how I was scaling things. Mm. You know, I was like, hey, like, you know, like, this is how we need to do it. It needs to be like a factory, A, B, C, A look, B look, C look, pick out your finishes. I, I'm really big on planning and pre-construction, mm. right? If you want to do 10 houses at one time, we need to plan these things out. We shouldn't be deciding what tiles going where, what paint color we're doing this. It's like, no, this is our price point. This is what we're selling. It's an A house. Cool. Mm. Great. The only thing that we're going to make a decision on is structural changes. Mm. So that's kind of like how I fit into the piece. Mm. And then eventually um, I branched off from that, that firm and then just work with these two brothers. Mm. So that's kind of how we did it. And then we just, and now we're like brothers, you know? So, um, you know, it's the, it's the older one, younger one that I met. And then I'm kind of like in the middle. Yeah. You know, again, and you know so <laughs> that's how we kind of did it you know like and then now i'm just i mean we've been going strong since 2015 nice 2016 you know yeah that's awesome so you know <clears throat> it's pretty interesting that you got this opportunity for just like really posting on you know bigger pockets and not and really just really just posting value right before afters not yeah. really knowing what's going to come out of it um i didn't so like you know when i was in the music industry i met some really top top people and I was well, something that always stuck with me is like I was out partying once and uh, this dude like I'm not gonna say who it was but he's like really well known. Mm. He's in an environment that I'm with. I'm like, okay, why are we here? I didn't know who he was at mm. first, and he was just always like, look, you can't always asking, put your hand out asking. Like in the music industry, everyone does it. Hey, listen to my record, listen to my record, please can you help me, help me. And you know, everybody that was su- more successful was always like, you have to provide value. Everyone's always like, provide value. Mm-hmm. So for me, putting that out in bigger pockets was kind of me just saying, hey, I'm providing value for other up-and-coming investors, contractors, to kind of see the production behind the scenes. You know, everybody wants the, the good, right? Here's the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, stuff like that. And so I just, I was always putting out value, putting out value for people, right? So 
when I did that for bigger pockets, my return was obviously that DM. Mm. Okay, great. They want me to do something for them. I'm just going to do it. You know, first person is going to be like, first people are going to be like, oh, how much do I get paid? Right. How much do I get paid? What's in it for me? For me, I was like, I'm already making $15 an hour. What am I going to lose? Right. <laughs> and like, mind you, I was driving to San Diego for 20 minute meetings and back. Oh, wow. Talking about five hours round trip. Wow. Right. Value. Mm-hmm. Providing value to this company running LA mm-hmm. for them. Eventually, there's a breaking point, right? Right. So that's when you find something else to do, which is when I'm in this situation now with these, this family. Mm-hmm. Provide value. My value to them was knocking out these projects on budget, rarely, or on time, mm-hmm. right? And making it easier for them. Their job is acquisitions, disposition, you know, getting rid of everything and buying. Right. They had a gap to fill. Mm-hmm. That was what it was. So I did a few of them and they're like, OK, this dude's valuable. This dude's valuable. And then the older brother, one day I was just driving with him. He's like, how much do you want to make? Like what? Like he said, he was just, like he was just like wanted to see where my head was at. He's mm-hmm. like, where do you see yourself in five years? How much do you want to make a year? You know, type of thing. You know? Yeah. I think he was trying to gauge how much they should pay me. Mm. You know? Yeah. And um, I was like, oh, 150 K a year. I'll be happy. Mm. You know? <laughs> That don't work in LA. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. So he was just like, okay, you know, I'm going to help you get there, you know? And like, and my mentality was like, I don't want a salary. I don't want you to pay me hourly. Like I want a piece of the pie. Mm. Like that's, you know, because the performance is on me. Right. The better the whole team does, the better that I would do. Right. You know? And that was like the value. And like, that's just kind of like what I always tell people is you have to provide value for people. Cause like people always ask me like, how'd you do it? Can you help me? Can you help me? I know you're so busy, but can you help me? You know, but like if you recognize I'm busy, then why are you asking? Me? Right. You know, um, but yeah, just just provide value. That's all I did my whole my whole life. Yep. You know, I'm coming up with a chip on the shoulder, you know, and I'm only a contractor here in L.A. because the contractors we were hiring mm-hmm. would always drop the ball. Mm. And the reason why I became a contractor was because I wanted the ability to pull the permits, deal with the inspectors access to labor on our terms everything mm. is always done on our terms right? gotcha and that's the reason why i became a contractor out here you know um i really didn't want i didn't say hey i'm gonna move to la and become a contractor mm-hmm. like i said it fell in my lap and it kind of i wasn't gonna let these contractors we were hiring get in our way to do what we need to do mm-hmm. you know what i mean right interesting so i mean so you obviously start providing value for these you know partners and they see the potential that, you know, that they could build with you. And so they're like, all right, you know, let's try to figure out payment. You know, how can we, how can we partner up for it, make, for it to make sense for you and also for us? So you're making $15 at the time. So what's the offer that they give you and what do you guys agree upon? So, we, you know, we talked and like, you know, we're, we're still new in our relationship, right? So like, but I could tell like, they're, they're just like me, you know, like, like the way we are, you know, and like we're the same age, you know, um, and then, you know, it started at like a percent. Like real small percent, you know, like oh, we'll give you half a percent of the sale price. You know, almost like how a, uh, agents get paid, mm. right? Um, so it kind of started like that, and then it slowly progressed to one percent, one and a half percent. You know, um, and for me, it was volume. Mm. You know, like okay, we can do like five properties, and the faster I can do it, the faster they can sell it, the faster I can get paid. Right. Like that was my mentality, right? So, mm. and then now it's getting to a point where it's like equity. You know, I'm getting equity in, in the in the shares 
of, of the the prophets mm. you know um and i think the real value that i got out of it was obviously the relationship that i built with them you know because like, we're, we're like brothers now right um and it was the freedom that they allowed me to do what i want mm -hmm. with the projects we had so i didn't want that burden on them to have to pay for me right but i wanted the ability to use that platform because now i can really do whatever i want right you know and then lo and behold instagram right so instagram comes around people's like hey look at i'm using instagram to kind of just like show what i'm doing mm -hmm. like everyone does right right i didn't know that a lot of people what i call retail end buyer retail clients would reach out mm. so now i'm just like the real the 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 real compensation was the retail clients mm. because we were really busy doing our own investments, focused on that. But then if a retail client comes by and is like, hey, I really want to hire you to do my stuff. I love what you do. I will wait for whenever you are open up. And then basically I'm at a point now where I could command my price. Mm. You know, I can really command my price. They'll be like, okay. And then that's when it kind of clicked for me. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm doing what I want. I'm doing what I love on my terms. I'm still get to do my investments and you're willing to wait six months for me, you know? Right. So that was like the real compensation. Yep. And, you know, um, and then that's kind of how I started the, the construction division. Cause like I said, I was only in construction just to have access to all that stuff, mm. access to deals, be able to do the permits, access to labor for our own developments and our own investments. Mm -hmm. But now you got 20 clients that, Hey, I want to do, remodels or additions and stuff like that and our clients aren't just like our clients are pretty high end right you know they've 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 obviously scaled and got higher end type you know like we're doing stuff for like the rams office mm. the, the workers you know like the the people that runs the stadium SoFi and stuff like that yeah so like they're like high-end clients and they're very demanding mm -hmm. right so that was like the real compensation to be able to use um that platform with his family to now springboard now into this, into the clients. Nice. You know what I mean, so yeah, that's kind of like where we ended up. And then obviously I get to do deals with them, um, deals with other people that come this way, you know, cause everybody's always like, I hear what you do, I hear what you do, you know, like, but there's like so many contractors out here. I just, I just didn't get it. You know, right. like there's so many contractors out here, but like at the end of the day, it's about who, how you run the business and how you run the, you know, how you run the, the jobs. Right. You know, which is what a lot of people take for granted. Wow. So did you land these like retail clients just from like Instagram? Did just is that how it kind of fell in your lap or um Instagram and um network. I have a I have a pretty good Rolodex. I've built a really good network um mm. through the eight years I've lived out here. Mm -hmm. Um I've never really asked for any favors from anybody. Mm. Um from execs at Warner Brothers to labels, everywhere. I never asked for a favor. All I did was I was able to meet them through maybe a friend of a friend, mm -hmm. did their house, knocked it out the park. Mm -hmm. Oh, you got kids? I got kids. Great. We're friends mm. now, you know? And I never really, like, used um, favors, right? Right. And then eventually they would just be like, hey, I know so-and-so. They're looking for a place and someone that they trust and to do their project. You know, because when you're, when you're going to someone's home, it's like a very private thing. Right. Um, it's their, you know, like, that's a really big accomplishment for people. Right. right it's like the quote-unquote the american dream is like right house right so when you get to people to a certain level they want people they can trust they want their privacy they want all that stuff so that's kind of how it really stemmed it was just through the network word of mouth i've re i don't do any advertising really mm. 
you know, um, it's all word of mouth. The Instagram ones that come in, I'm at a point actually right now where I kind of just deny them, mm. you know, because like a lot of people are still stuck in the old ways of doing construction and, you know, clients, you know, like they're just shotgunning bids and stuff mm. like that. And I, I kind of don't play that game anymore. Right. You know, so yeah, mostly word of mouth. Interesting. So um, <clears throat> what kind of construction projects are you doing now that you're kind of like working on? Like, give me some examples of what you're uh, doing. We do. Um, so when we first started, obviously, it was just like what everyone does, right? The the, the quick flips, renovations and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, obviously, with the market changing, we've noticed the market change probably in like 2018, 2019. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of scaled back the amount that we were doing. Um, because, you know, real estate's always going up and down, right? The faster you can do it, the faster you can get on the market, the faster you can sell, the safer your money will be. Yep. When we started recognizing that, we were like, okay, guys, we need to go for bigger margins. The only way you can go for bigger margins is value add. Um, so now a lot of the properties we do now, we try to find um, buildable lots with houses that are like 1,000, 1,200 square feet mm. and try to get them to like the 2,000 square feet mark. Mm. Once you get to the 2,000 square feet mark, um, that's usually what we're doing, you know, and certain, if you're in the right area, you can probably, you know, you can get like 1.9, 2.1 million for them. Yeah. You know, um, and obviously being as a contractor and doing the construction self-performing, mm -hmm. we, we can control that cost. Right. So that's like kind of like our way of leveraging um, the down market, mm. you know. Um, so yeah, so like right now we're doing a lot of value add plays. Um, we don't really do too much multifamily except for um, student rentals. We okay. do some of that stuff. Okay. Um, a lot of my client work is mostly full-scale renovations. So you're talking about all new MEPs, and for you to, for whoever doesn't know what that is, mechanical, electrical, plumbing. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of these houses are so old, mm. right? And we're in a market where you're paying, like, top, top dollar for a piece of shit, mm -hmm. you know? Right. And you got to go in there, and, you, you know, construction is really uh, invasive, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, like, it's stressful and it's invasive, so, like, a lot of my clients are like, we just want to do it now. Mm -hmm. Just to take care of it, do it now. So, like, a lot of the client projects are full-scale remodels, you know, um, changing everything from top to bottom. Our investment deals, we're doing a lot of value adds, like I said, mm -hmm. adding 500 square feet. Um, there's some that we're just knocking down. We'll pay $2 million for a lot mm. for a house and whack it down, and we'll just build up a new house. You know, so that's kind of, like, how we're doing things now to really leverage if the market really does turn. Gotcha. So how do you scope out a project? Because uh, before the pandemic, I was actually, you know, playing on, you know, because we outgrew our office, but then we decided to go virtual. But before that, I was I was looking at commercial buildings and there was like a lot, you know, I felt like I could get the best dollar uh, bank for my buck if I bought one that was kind of like a fixer upper. And I found one that was probably like 6,000 square feet, but it was built, I think, in the 80s and it needed the MEP that you said. And um you know, I got advice from different contractors, different, um, you know, engineers, architects, and they were like, hey, you know, I think this is going to be a million dollar, you know, project. So, like, how do you do your scope and your planning? Because you said, you're, you know, you're a big planner. So, like, how do you, what's like, how does your analysis, you know, how do you do that? Um, well, it's, it's different when it's a client project and if, if it's our own project. Mm. On our own projects, um, I usually do all the walks with my partners. Mm. Um, and we just know what to look out for, mm. you know. Um, obviously, the big ticket items are always going to be, like, your foundation, your MEPs, mm. right? Um, roof. Mm -hmm. Those are really big ticket items. Mm. Um, and then usually when we walk the interior of a house, um, I can see right away what needs to get done to mm. make it um, sellable, mm. right? At the end of the day, that's the goal is to sell the property. Right. Keep your emotions out of it. Walk the property. 
and whatever comps, you know, you obviously should do your comps before you walk this property and look at it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just wasting time. Right. Right. Time is precious. Mm-hmm. And so when we're walking these properties, we already know and have an idea what we need to sell it for. Mm. Right. We know what these comps look like mm. on the inside. And the real estate investing world is a very copycat game. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of people out there that be copying us. And I do copy some people, too. You mm-hmm. know, And so when we're walking it, you know, we'll, we'll notice things right away. The first thing I do is, you know, I check the foundation, look at the stem walls, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, we look at the roof. Like I said, you could tell my construction business in Minnesota actually is a roofing company. So I'm, you know, I can just glance at it and can tell. Um, a lot of people in California don't realize that you could have three layers of shingles on your house, mm. you know, and if you have three layers on and the top layer is really jacked up, you're not doing a layover, you're tearing that thing all off. And most likely if all three layers are pretty rotted, um, you're going to have some decking, which is the plywood that's mm. going to be rotted. So those are things that you could see right away that most people won't even notice. Wow. Um, termite, that's like another thing easily, easily. You can easily see that. Mm. So those are like the things that we always look for. Um, electrical, obviously, you look at the pan- panel, stuff like that, right? I don't really, I mean, the age of the house is one thing, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, in construction, there's a way to do things by code. Mm. And there's a way to do things right. Mm-hmm. And then there's the way that we do things, mm. right? <laughs> and so, you know, and this is something I always bicker with my partners on is like, I always feel like we're doing too much. Mm. Right. But we have like a brand, we have like an image that we want to, you know, to, to maintain. Right. In regards when it comes to these flips, we want people to know that, Hey, when we're buying their house, we want, we want the buyer to know, like it's a good quality house. Mm. There's some shitty flippers out there. Yeah. Some shitty ass flippers. Yeah. But, um, you know, because it's just the bottom line for them, right? Like it's all about the bottom line for them. Right. So when we're walking these properties, you know, I'm always buttonhead, you know, because my job is to to run the project, the budgets, stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm o- I'm always the one that says no, no, we can't do this. We're not opening this wall. No, if you want to do that, don't buy this house. Mm. They buy the house anyways, <laughs> right? So, so like you know, I we we kind of have those contingencies in my in my head, mm. and my uh, Sean he kind of puts it in his head too because Jesse, you know, he's the one that has to sell it. He's the one that deals with selling it. Mm. He's the one that deals with like the buyers and their agents and the disclosures. You know, mm-hmm. He's an attorney too. So mm. he protects us. Gotcha. Where me and Sean, we're just like, oh, cheap as possible. Make it look good. Make it look like this. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's like, no, no, I don't want to do this. No, no, don't buy it. Right. But mm-hmm. so like, those are like the main things I can always advise people to look out for, you know, especially like, um, like HVAC, you know, is, is part of mechanical. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to change out your HVAC. Like if it's, you know, you could tune it up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It just depends on your price point that you're at. Um, electrical. Most of the times we do rewire the house because a lot of this electrical out here is really old. Mm-hmm. Um, plumbing for sure. We always change out, you know, unless the budget's really tight, but plumbing, you can, if it's got galvanized, it's always being changed out. Mm. We always run sewer inspections, you know, um, to make sure that, you know, obviously the sewer, we do the same things that like, an end buyer would do mm-hmm. right but um we do these things on our like initial walk so when we make our offers they're really strong our mm-hmm. offers are strong like hey we don't need no inspections we don't need an appraisal we don't need loan we don't need anything we want this house here's our price this is what we're buying we already know what we're doing mm-hmm. you know um and then usually when we're in escrow we'll walk we'll ask for access again and we're already doing all of our planning we already know what walls we're opening we already know what we need to do for permits we already know that, okay, we're not changing our windows. We're ordering the windows while we're in escrow because right now window production lead time is going to be like two to three months. 
You know what I mean? So right. like, we're doing this on their dime on in while we're in escrow. You know, so like anything that we can order, and we already have our decisions made up in regards to paint, tile, flooring. Mm-hmm. We have a warehouse. We have a five thousand square foot warehouse where we store things. Gotcha. We store our flooring, our tile, all this stuff. You know, we store all this. We already know what we're gonna do. Do as much as you can. You know, while you're while you're in escrow. Yeah. So that goes into that planning. You know, so and a lot of times it's like I don't walk the job until you know we obviously when we scope it, mm-hmm. and then once we own it, I'll maybe walk it. Once with like the demo guy and my uh, my uh, project manager, construction manager Colin, mm-hmm. who's been a blessing to me for the past three years, um, he will walk it, will mark everything, and I usually don't come back until like towards the end, mm. you know, because they we became really good at remote managing, mm. you know, um, like again it comes down to reverse engineering, right? right? I already know what this house is supposed to look like for us to sell, mm. so. And I've taught Colin, you know, because he's running multiple projects, is if you know that the MVPs are coming after the framing, take your videos and take your photos now so you don't have to come back in four weeks. Mm. So you can just send these to the plumber with marked up photos, marked up videos, mm. and they know exactly what to do. You give them the design sheet, and they know exactly what to do. Mm. So that's how you can do multiple projects. Mm. You know, a lot of people don't think about that. Right? You know, they always think about like, oh, okay, well, what are we installing? Like the day you're trying to install, you're trying to figure it out. <laughs> like, it work like that. Yeah, I mean, planning is so important. Like you, you know, we even do it in the tax industry. It's like people want to save money on taxes, but it's like you didn't do any planning to you know to reduce your tax liability. Now you're trying to do it, and we're preparing a return. Like that should have been done six months ago, or yeah. you know, last year. It's like you not. There's nothing you can do now at this point. It's just you know, there's very little that you can do. That's how I found you. <laughs> really? No, like seriously, that's how I found you. And dude, I'll be the first to say, it, like, I'm the worst at that. I'm yeah. the worst at tax planning, just like every other business owner out there. Yeah. And that's how I found you. I actually found you on dropping bombs. Nice. I watch Brad. I mean, I listen to Brad stuff all the time, right? Yeah. And I saw. I was like, man, who's this guy? You know, and he's like, you're just dropping all these gems. I was like, oh, okay. You know, and then like, <laughs> and I actually, I think I made an appointment to try to have one of your guys call me, and I think we just never linked. Oh, gotcha. You know, like, because I was like, I really, because I had a CPA, you know, but he wasn't like, I like people that are um, proactive. Yeah. Right? And like, that's the thing I always try to teach my guys, you know, in our, our biweekly meetings, be proactive, not reactive. Right? Right. Um, respond, don't react type yep. of thing. And my CPA at the time, he's just like, Okay, like, did you do this? Did you do that? You know, just asking like, the similar questions, just real robotic. Right. Like, it wasn't catered to, like, me. To, like, right. what I am, to how I'm moving, and stuff like that. So, like, you know, I actually was looking for a new CPA, and that's when I found you. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that later. For sure. <laughs> that's awesome. So, you know, obviously, you're doing a lot of planning for your business as well. Um, and it's been, you know, that's kind of the key to making sure the project works. But, like, all these skills, like, everything that you're mentioning, you know, obviously, with someone that doesn't even have a high school diploma, it's pretty, you know, pretty, you know, um, remarkable, you know, what you've built and stuff. So, like, did you learn all these skills just from the education that you did have, like, that you invested in yourself, plus, like, that $15, you know, dollar job? Or was it a combination of just your prior experience? Or um, It's a combination of everything, you know? Like, I think um, the skills were learned over trial and error. Mm-hmm. Like... There was always, you know, they always say there's there's not one way to do something, right? So, like, I've always, I had a lot of trial and error, mm-hmm. you know, just doing things and figuring things out and self-teaching. And, and that's kind of how I learned the skill. Um, I've, I, I hold a very, I'm very prideful in the stuff that we do, mm. right? Um, 
I've done projects for clients where I've lost eighty thousand dollars. It would have been it would have saved me money to just walk away. Wow! But I'm really big on like my reputation mm-hmm. because I'm in a town where, and this was I was taught this in music. People always say it's who you know, mm-hmm. but that's not true. Mm. It's who knows you back. Mm. You know what I mean? So right. like, I can go around and say, "Yeah, man, I know Joe. Joe's my guy." Right. Right. To this client, right? And what if the client goes up to you and say, "Hey, do you know Tony?" You're like, "Who?" <laughs> or you can be like, "Oh, this guy. Oh, he's a douchebag," or whatever. Right. Right. So like, I always like, I always held my 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 name and my respect that people would look at us and mm. our brand and our company to the highest regard. Doesn't matter if we were losing, and that's why I'm really hard on my guys. I'm really hard on like the way that we do our production, and and like when they like don't do the proper planning on things. Like it's like a dad and a son moment. Like I told you, like, mm. I told you, you know. And like so, like I that's I think that's what really got me this far. Like you know, because like even though like I do jobs and I lose, like I've had a few jobs where I've lost, mm. and it would have been just easier for me to walk away and just be done with it. Right, but like it's you know it's like when you're going out to eat and you get that one bad Yelp review to that place. They what do they do? The business manager hits you up, say, "Hey, we're sorry about that. Like, why can we make it better?" Right. Like you don't want to do that when it's construction. Right. You know what I mean? Like in construction, like you're in a business where you're in people's homes. Mm-hmm. It's very private. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a good contractor or have good clients, they're cutting you these huge checks. Mm-hmm. So they expect you to be on point. They expect you to be. Um, your tip top best whatever it is right so mm-hmm. like everything anything that you can do to 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 be that for them for these clients as you're serving these clients you should definitely do it yep you know so i think that's kind of like what really helped mold me and teach me a lot of the things that i'm doing now and i'm trying to reflect on my guys mm-hmm. you know um you know the the running joke is i'm the old dog in the company you know like i said i'm 41 <laughs> All my project coordinators and project managers are like 21, oh, 23, wow. 25. You know, um, I got like 30 field guys. Wow. You know, um, and they're all, old. I got a couple old guys too, right? Mm-hmm. So, but they're in the field, you know, in regards to like the office stuff, you mm-hmm. know, there's only like eight of us. Gotcha. And I'm like the old one, you know, and like they're like, dude, just go back to staring at a blank screen, you know, like, because <laughs> I'm trying to make construction cool. And this is how I was recruiting them, you know, because right. um, I did work for a commercial contractor. Um, for like a year in a lapse, you know, when I was doing that between that uh, fifteen dollar an hour job, mm-hmm. you know, while I was still trying to like freelance with the, this family, mm-hmm. and this company was like a five hundred million dollar revenue company. I, I gonna lie, I bullshitted my way into the company, mm. and they made me a superintendent. I didn't know shit about commercial construction. Oh wow! But, but, I, came, I, was, but I told them I was like, I come from residential, right? Yeah, I wanted to learn commercial, mm. and I did it for a year. And dude, I was doing my flips. In the mornings mm. from like 10 to whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I would work the graveyard shift doing commercial. I would literally sleep in my Prius. Wow. And it was something, a sacrifice. And again, that comes with the obsession, mm-hmm. right? It comes with the obsession of wanting to to get to a place that you see you and your family living type of thing. Right? Yep. So, yeah, I did that. And all the superintendents were like old, angry farts. Like they're like <laughs> six years old. Daily logs were still handwritten on a piece of paper that they were doing weekly, mm. you know, and I was learning. I was like, okay, these older guys are getting phased out. Mm. Eventually, they're going to get phased out. They're super knowledgeable. They're smart, but they're just grumpy, hard to work with. If you ask 
people what they think of construction workers that's what they're gonna think grumpy right. people that just like you know they're hard to work with so um when i left that company you know i vowed to myself i mean i'm gonna make construction cool mm. i want i want to attract the young talent mm. we're living in a day and age where nobody wants to work everybody wants to be like an influencer star nobody wants to work right right like and nobody wants to be in trades you know what i mean mm -hmm. like if nobody's doing the trade work who's gonna build your stuff who's right. gonna fix your mep who's gonna you know all that right like no one's gonna you guys i'm saying you guys like these kids just want to like do stuff on the internet and get paid <laughs> right, <laughs> right yeah like okay well you still need to live in a house and you still need to like go get your car fixed and all that right so like when i was recruiting all these project coordinators um i went for like the young guys mm. the young guys and like i look for like the people that were just like me mm. you know like collins my first actually employee mm. um he's been with me for three years he's turning 26 okay 25, 24, i forgot but he now he runs the entire field for me wow um he's actually booted me out of all like the company chats because mm. you know? he's like because he knows you know, I'm, I'm i'm a family guy man i got two yeah. kids and you know he's he's at a stage where he's he's hungry mm. you know and when i was recruiting these young dudes i'm like look i can't pay you a lot right now mm -hmm. right but i'll put you in positions to win mm -hmm. right and that's my rolodex mm. you know um all my friends are realtors mm. every single one of them why because the real estate market's hot I want to be a realtor, whatever, whatever, right? Yep. I'm the only contractor in a circle of realtors. Wow. Every realtor needs a good contractor. Yep. Right? So I put people in positions to win because he came across and I was like, look, you can come work with me, come work for me, whatever, right? Like learn the game. He didn't know anything. Mm. Um, I put him through the ringer for like a year, mm. you know, because I still didn't like trust, you know, because he said something to me that like it really bothered me, you know, mm. but I still needed him, you know, and he like under his breath one day was like, I don't want to do this forever. Mm. I was like, all right, he's, he might not be the one. Right. Know? But uh, I met him through one of my best friends, you know, that that moved out here too from Minnesota. And he's like, dude, just give him a chance. So, you know, we kicked it off and he's definitely helped me scale, you know. And he's the one that's actually pushed me to hire more younger talent, mm. you know, and, and just kind of like really organize like the field. Because I give him, you know, there's, there's you know, there's five levels of trust, mm -hmm. you know, and when it comes to the business. And he's on level five, which is basically you got a problem, just take care of it. Nice. You know, level one is like, you know, you got a problem. Bring me the problem. I'll take care of it for you. Mm -hmm. Type of thing, right? Yep. So he's he's gained his way to level five, and now you know we got we got three three really decent young dudes that we brought on that are project coordinators. They're still learning, but I'm really I'm trying to make construction cool, man. Yeah, you know, because I don't want people to think you know like construction is not cool because like like I said, we're in a, in a day and age where these older guys are getting phased out. Mm -hmm. And like, so you need to bring in this young talent, you know, like, yep. and I don't want people to think that construction isn't cool. It's not a business to be in. And frankly, a lot of like the really wealthy people I know are construction people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. hundred percent. Now you don't mind training these younger guys. Like for me, for example, when I was first starting my tax practice, like I actually, my tax manager, she's been with me for almost five years. And she started off just as a tax intern, and now she like knows probably more than I do because uh, she's in it every single day. Um, but I had the time to train her in the beginning. But now, you know, where I'm at, it's like I kind of have to hire people that already have the experience, you know, because training takes time. So, but for you, you're hiring young talent. So, you know, is it, you know, how are you balancing between like let me hire hire someone that has experience versus let me hire young people that want that are hungry and just want to learn and grow. 
Um, I kind of um, segregate and identify their skill set as you should mm-hmm. as a business owner. Um, like I can't send a drywall guy to go do framing type of thing, you know, even though there's some guys that can, you know, right? Right. So like these young dudes, when they come in, you know, I kind of like see how their personalities are. And then I find the time to really groom them. Mm. Um, so I make it intentional to try to train them because at the end of the day, it's, you know, how I want our culture and my company to be mm-hmm. right. And I want to work on the business, not in the business. Right. Right. And working on the business is going to be part of it is training. Right. You got to train these dudes. Right. Mm-hmm. I got to, I got to set the time for a few months, even if it's a couple times a month to train them mm-hmm. so that like eight months down the road, if they're still with me, they're, they're growing into their own skin. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I find the time for it. Nice. You know, um, we do do like a, a bi, bi a weekly mandatory meeting. Mm. Um, and, you know, I make them come into the office. We have our office in, in Hawthorne and get them lunch, even though it's during the mid work week. But mm. I bring them there, you know, because it's fresh on their head. Because a lot of these young dudes, you know, it's Friday night. They're clocking out. They're clocking out, going to go hang out. Right. Do whatever they do. Right. I'm the old fart that goes, I'm <laughs> wife kids you know yeah. so i gotta get them midweek and we go through things like all the time and like it's kind of like uh you know go through like with the good the bad mm-hmm. how can we improve mm-hmm. you know and really and i explained to them i was like you know construction management is really just a glorified babysitting job mm. that's all you're doing and if you're doing the work yourself we've already failed like you mm. shouldn't be doing the work not right. to say that we shouldn't do it right you know because it shows me that you got grit determination right mm-hmm. but our skill set is to get people to do what they want when we want right nicely as possible right but mm-hmm. also be firm right right and that's kind of like a personality trait that a lot of them because like some of my guys are really like timid really quiet mm. you know construction guys they're they're rough right and i tell all these guys i'm like look you guys are young and let's just be real none of us are hispanic Right. Right. They're going to look at you as like, who the hell are you telling me what to do when I've been in the industry for 30 years? Yeah. Right. And I told him, you have to command their respect. Mm. You have to identify these guys in the field to get them to do what we want. Mm. You know what I mean? And so that's that's really like my training for them. Mm. I'm not really I don't expect them to know how to frame Mm. how like to do the actual trade work. Right. I'm trying to mold their mind. Mm. to be leaders Mm. i'm trying to mold them to be leaders you know so i'm trying to mold them to like identify like you can't send a certain person in a certain situation right right and let's say you send them and they fail and let's say like whatever happens the consequences like who you're going to get mad at at the end of the day you should be mad at yourself right at the end of the day i'm mad at me for allowing you to do that yep so that's how that's like the mindset i'm trying to put them on you know it's it's an uphill battle with these guys because they're young dudes right you know like it's an uphill battle you know like yeah i feel like i got like four sons (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome so tony what do you have in store i mean that's pretty you know pretty exciting that you you have a young team that is hungry and you're basically doing mindset coaching to really teach them how to lead and stuff. But like, where do you see yourself? Like, where do you see your company headed? Like in the next three to five years? Um, I really see us doing more developments. Um, like, so lately, probably with the past year, I've, uh, I focused more on that stuff. Um, you know, now that I got Colin kind of really running things and running the show, mm-hmm. he kind of only comes to me when he needs advice or when, you know, there's like a major issue. So I kind of really see us um, continuing with like the, the client projects, but I, I really see 
us going into more of our investments and developments. Um, we're getting ready because it's going to be a time to start buying and scooping up things. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, even if the market's a downturn, you know, a real investor is not a savvy investor is still going to be able to move around and, 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 and prosper in a down market. So that's what I'm really preparing for. The next three, five years is absolutely going to be for acquisitions, mm. um, looking for land deals and stuff like that. So that's kind of where I really see it. In regards to the, the the remodeling, I really think that even with like a down market, that the construction business is not going to get affected. Mm -hmm. um, I feel that like these Zen buyers and these clients are going to realize that, hey, maybe we shouldn't buy this big house, but let's put this money that we set aside into expanding our house now. Mm. And when COVID hit and everybody in the world will stop, construction was an essential business. So we took the protocols to maintain uh, working. Mm -hmm. But we also used that time to hone our skills, hone our brand, and to make sure that when the market does downturn, that people still call us. Mm. You know, so I really, I really see nothing but upside for us um, in both avenues with the investing and with the client work. Awesome. That's awesome. So if anybody wants to find you, they can find you on Instagram under at is that Neef. Um, so Tony, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, man. It's been, you know, inspiring li listening to your story. Um, so I wish you the best of luck in your business, future endeavors, and thanks for being on the show. Thanks, man.